welcome into today's Irish NFL show with me, Colm Cronin, and very pleased today to be joined by a Shamrock Bowl winner and the head coach of the Wexford Eagles, Kevin Platt. How are you doing, sir? Very well, thank you. It's a long time since that Shamrock Bowl was played. Uh, it, it is, but they can't take it away from you. Uh, you took uh, uh, one had done as, as well, right? Uh, you... That's it. Now, one full year, and uh, my wife, um, well, we had our third child uh, in 87. He was only a couple of months old when the Shamrock Bowl was played. And to say that uh, it didn't go down really well, that I was gone, you know, a couple of times a week for practice and then away games. And back in the 80s, if you went, you know, north of the border for an away game, you were gone for a lot of hours because. The roads weren't great back then. So I said, let me play the one season and I'll pack it in at the end of it. And I, we finished 14-0 and 0 on the year. So it uh, it was a good way to go out. So you you and the 72 Dolphins can uh, can hold that uh, that record, dear. <laughs> I I can see, um, obviously listeners won't see, but the, the Bears uh, gear be behind you. And... You know, grow, growing up, I suppose, in, in Iowa, it's going to be with, with no professional NFL team there. Team People do kind of tend to go towards those uh, NFC North uh, teams. What led you to the Bears ahead of maybe the the Lions, the Vikings, or the Packers? Well, first of all, my, my older brother um, was a Vikings fan, so I couldn't possibly root for them. Um I started following football. This is going to sound really, really bad. I started following football in 1961. Um, I was five years old and actually had just moved to Iowa from Minnesota. So again, my brother being a Vikings fan, um, I started following the likes of Dick Buckus, Gail Sayers, um, legends of the game, Mike Dick, uh, um, you know, just really fantastic players. And I watched uh, my first championship game on TV was the Bears against the Giants way back early 60s. And the Bears won it. And they hooked me. And I've been a Bears fan for my sins ever since. There's been a lot more lot more bad years than good years. But I'm um, hoping things are on the up now. I mean, one of the more storied franchises in the league. And you know, you've listed some of the, the great players there. I mean, I think the Bears are partly responsible for the, I suppose, certainly the initial um, interest in the sport, both here and in the UK, because they happen to be a great, great team when they started showing the highlights. In terms, I suppose, of, you know, you've talked about the the lean years, but um, obviously the, the Jim McMahon, uh, years and w- were you able to to watch that one because you w- you were in Ireland at that time? Were, I was you uh, it on RT or Channel Four. Yes, it was. I watched uh, the the Super Bowl uh, where they beat the Patriots, and you know my only disappointment in that game was that Walter Payton didn't get a touchdown in the Super Bowl. He carried for a lot of yards, but he didn't get a touchdown, and the fridge did. And I just thought, where's the justice? Where is the justice? Now every offensive lineman listening to this is going to say, are you kidding me? That is true justice, you know, but, um, yeah, I followed, yeah, Jimmy man, the, the defense that year was, was ferocious. You know, you had Hampton and Singletary and, uh, just an amazing, amazing bunch of guys on the line. So yeah, it was fun to watch. 
when that worked out well for you then obviously because um, the, the lean years have been ever since then and now I suppose there is the renewed optimism with under the, the new head coach the new GM are you a, a believer in Justin Fields I absolutely am um and I was delighted to see that the Bears' first-round draft pick this year was an offensive lineman, somebody to protect him a little bit. Because, you know, I know he ran a lot last year, but he was running for his life most of the time. It wasn't some of it was design plays, but he really had uh, he's been under pressure in his first in his first two years. But I I genuinely believe that he will settle um, and start making better decisions. And if they protect him and surround him with the right people, then yeah, I mean. Will the Bears reach the Super Bowl next year? Probably not. I'm hoping for a winning record. And we'll take it from there. And I suppose you mentioned you've been a fan since 61. So, you know, you've seen a lot of things come and go in, in the NFL. Colm, I have t-shirts older than you, man. <laughs> is, is it, I suppose I was just, you know, in terms of the way in which the game has developed, yeah. Is it, do you enjoy it as much now as you did when you were watching it growing up? Yeah, I absolutely do. Um, it's nice to see it develop and change. Um, and, and I suppose in my own football philosophy, I'm, I'm, I deal more with the offense than defense. And I really enjoy taking things from the past and mixing them with things from the present, um, and try and give a, a bit of, um, variation to uh to what the eagles do and it's it's working well the guys have bought into the schemes but we for for example just one thing that we do that i don't think anybody else in the league does in any division uh we use what we call a stack which basically i have the quarterback under center and all three backs lined up directly behind him um so you know it's just it's four guys in a line and people are going Nobody's ever used that. Well, yeah, they have. Purdue used to use it. It was called the Purdue Eye years ago. But nobody in the game here is is, is old enough to remember that. But it's it's fun because you can mix that in and do different things with it. And it just it makes the game a lot of fun for the guys playing. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think you, you can hear the, 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 the passion in your voice for the enjoyment, right? I think that's a key to, to what you bring. I'm interested in delving a little more into the philosophy and I suppose the, your interest in, in coaching, Kevin, was that something, you know, I, I know the opportunity presented itself. Um, I, I've read a little bit about that, but were you always keen to kind of coach a, a team and get the opportunity to, you know, put those ideas about the offense out there? I never really thought of it. I was, I was approached in late um, 2015 when uh, John Lynch and um, Arthur Goose, two guys from, from Gory, who had traveled down to Waterford and practiced with the Wolves a couple times, but they said, look, wouldn't it be great to put a team together in, in, in Wexford? Um, and I was actually in the States when John emailed me and said, you know, would you be interested in coming and just showing us a few plays? And I said, yeah, happy to do that, and didn't think anything about coaching them at all. Just said, I'll stop by and help. Um, went by. There weren't a lot of guys there, but, you know, I saw what there was and put a couple of plays together that would fit into the skill set that I saw. And uh, after a while, they said, look, would you would you come back and be the head coach? And that was the very first time I ever thought anything about coaching. 
at all. Once I was into it, yeah, my wife will tell you, we'd be on a plane going for a holiday or something, and I'd say, have you got a pen and a piece of paper? And she would say, you're going to write down another play, aren't you? I, yeah, I have. Twenty-four-seven. <laughs> you know, I, I get some of my best ideas at four in the morning, and I get up and I have to write them down. So my poor, long-suffering wife has been putting up with it for a long time now. It reminds me of that Mitch Hedberg comment where he, he talks about that if a, a joke came to him at night, he had to convince himself that the joke wasn't that funny. Otherwise, he'd have to get out of bed and get the, the pen and the piece of paper. So I guess maybe that's similar when it comes to the plays. But Yeah, I've rarely met a play I didn't like in my head. <laughs> and in in terms of, you know, you, you've referred to Purdue there, but like you... Everyone has their philosophy, right? Well, certainly coaches and odd offensive-minded coaches, right? So um, whoever that is, whether that's, you know, you can go the, the Bill Walsh tree, right? What's come out of the Bill Walsh tree? And now we talk about the Sean McVay tree. We uh, we talk about the Andy Reid tree. Um, and every But everyone borrows, uh, you know, football is uh, something of a copycat league, something of a magpie. Um, sport where you get ideas and you tweak it in, in your own way. Yeah. I suppose just interested in, in your approach to offense and, and how you ideally like a team to play. Okay. That's a great question. And it's, it's something that, you know, I, I started focusing on very early. Um, when I, when I started with the Eagles and they asked me to, to join up, um, I went to the next three practices and, and didn't say or do much of anything. I watched them. They had a very good trainer, a uh, guy named Ivan Lynch, who, who was working them out. And I watched them, what they were doing. And my philosophy from the beginning and remains to this day is to build your offense around the talent that's available. You don't try and force the guys to adapt their skills to match, to match what you think is a good offense. You make your offense fit what they can do. And if you do that, it it's it's much easier to get the guys to buy into it because you're playing into their strengths and everybody likes to to use their strengths rather than have to adjust their weaknesses. And um, I mean, this year's Eagles team is completely different set of skills from the ones I had there in 2016, 2017. Um, and so we've introduced a lot more variation than what we had for those first couple of years when we were really, really run heavy. Um, we had, well, a quarterback who's playing uh, in the Shamrock Bowl Conference now, Sam Dorn. Um, Sam has got an amazing set of wheels. Um, they, you know, he wanted to play quarterback. I was happy to have him play quarterback. But we built a, an offense where he could run the ball more than he could throw the ball because running was his strength. He's so fast, strong, and, you know, he cuts real well. Uh, this year, we've got a young quarterback named Kyle McLaughlin. And Kyle, you know, he has an amazing arm. He makes good, really good decisions. He wouldn't be as mobile as Sam um, in any sense of the word. So we have opened up the passing game a lot more this year than we did in previous years. It's just about matching your offense to the skills rather than matching you know, trying to build the skills into what you want for an offense. Yeah, which, which makes an awful lot of sense, but I suppose in an Irish context can be difficult because you're, you know, the the pool of people available when you're competing against soccer and you're competing against hurling and Gaelic, et cetera, et cetera. It, it's, 
it's limited in terms of what, what you have. And I suppose I'm also interested because, you know, having played back in 87 and then coached, um, you know, a few years ago and, and you're, you're back now, have you seen the much change in, in the, the league, Kevin, and the way in which, um, things are, is it a little bit, uh, tweaks, I suppose, just interested in, in your perspective on that. From my perspective, it's come on in leaps and bounds. Um, I mean, I, I love the guys I played with in 87 and some of them are still around, uh, just in, just their nicknames. We had Juicy Doolin and we had, you know, Franimal and we had Shed and, you know, we had the A team. We had a bunch of great guys, a lot of whom had to play both ways. Shark, Kevin Sharkey, you know, fantastic. Um, I would not want to put that team up against the Dublin Rebels or UCD today, you know, that, that the, um, the development of the, of the league has, has come on an awful lot in, in just about every way that you can think of. And, um, it's good to see. It's very good to see. One thing you said though, about the limited, limited pool today or talent pool. I'm not necessarily sure I agree with that because talking to other coaches around the league, they don't have a lot of trouble finding skill position players. There's a lot of guys out there that can run fast, that can catch the ball. They're smart, and there's a good few that can throw the ball. And uh, I mean, if there's difficulty anywhere, it's finding the, the big guys to you know to do the hard work in the middle of the line. So there's there's plenty of talent out there. I mean, sports like Gaelic football, rugby, they lend themselves to guys who want to stay fit in the off season and play American football. Oh no, absolutely! It's just I suppose it's a it's a smaller pool than the state. I'm just thinking, say even Sean McVeigh for our UC, yeah. he's running back who came across like basically kind of played Gaelic and soccer all his life, had played, then discovers American football and obviously he's discovered he's pretty good at this uh, at this sport. I, I imagine there are tons of, of Sean McVeigh's out there. And, and I know, I suppose part of it, I mean, why it came about was I, when I was preparing for this, I was reading about your philosophy, uh, uh, certainly at, at the time when you gave the interview, was about ensuring that everyone who suited up got an opportunity to play. Yeah, and I still think that's, that that is that's a really valuable thing because I think when I was talking to Sean, one of the things that frustrated him was that wasn't always the case. And I have seen that my, myself. It isn't always the case in every team, isn't always the case in every sport. So I I suppose I'm just conscious that there are probably guys standing on the the sidelines in uh you know at Sun, Sunday League soccer or in the GAT tournament who had if they had the opportunity to come out to to American football, um you know would be would make a a real difference. So I I, I suppose from my perspective, I have seen the development league. I hope it continues. I would have probably first really gotten involved with with Trinity. So that's as well where I suppose some of when I'm saying that the small pool, I hope with, now with Trinity that they can keep it going because I've seen Trinity be very good. And then all of a sudden it kind of falls away. And like, how do you, I mean, you, you talk about the group, but how do you keep the, that level of, of interest and, and commitment? Is it in what you're saying about ensuring that guys get playing time? And if they show up and they show that commitment, they are going to get onto the field. There's a few different strands to that. Um, the first is what you've already touched on. And that is if you suit up for the Eagles, you play for the Eagles, you'll be on the field. Now you might not get as many snaps as you want, you know, if it just has to be, if you're not there at practice a lot, but you suit up, we you don't know, put you on special teams. We'll get you out there to 
to, you know, to spare guys a little bit. Another thing is that, um, we have developed kind of a new philosophy here this year, and that is an all the coaches. And I've got a, a fantastic gang of coaches. I'll, I'll mention them in a second. But what we have told the players from the get-go this year, we haven't asked them to win a single game, and we won't. I don't care how the season goes. All we have asked them this year is to get better every week. Um, if you're if you're losing and you, you know you stand still, you're going to keep losing. If you're losing, you move forward. You get better. You're going to win some games. If you win and stand still, you're going to get. They're going to catch you. You're going to get beat. If you're winning, you still have to keep moving forward. And that has been our mantra from the first day of practice this year, January eighth. We said, guys, it's not about, you know, winning. You need to get better every single week. And in fairness, the guys have really, really, really bought into that. And the last way that we kind of have, I think, helped to keep guys interested this year is in the past, it was always, you know, come to practice, come to practice, come to practice. And guys felt under pressure who had night jobs or who couldn't always be there for every training session. And I got together with the other coaches at the beginning of the year, and I said, look, I, I want to take a different approach this year. I don't want to put anybody under pressure. If we can get guys to, you know, to come to training when they can, if they've got a life gets in the way, you know, if they've got a, a kid's event, if they've got a communion or a confirmation, or they've got to travel, they're, you know, taking the wife away on a holiday, whatever, these things happen and they shouldn't interfere, be interfered with by American football. And we put that message out there. And I think that as a direct result of that, we've gotten guys that we wouldn't otherwise have gotten. And these are guys who have made a serious contribution uh, to the team. And I, I mentioned the coaches. I have to I have to double down on that. When I came back this year, I asked, could I pick my own panel of coaches? And I was like, yep, knock yourself out. And the first guy I approached was a gentleman named Matt Reed, who used to actually play for me. Um, Matt's from Boston, uh, great guy, but he's our defensive coordinator. And he has just created a, a scary defense. I have to be honest. It's those guys are amazing. In our last game, um, last Sunday week, we played the Giants. And again, I, I, I give credit, all credit to Matt on this. Um, Giants didn't get a first down in the, in the first half of the game, held them without a first down. It was three and out every single series. The other coaches that I've got in are Brendan Macleese, who has been a friend of mine since the 80s. He was actually the quarterback on our opponents in Shamrock Bowl II. He was the quarterback of the Craig Gavin Cowboys. So that's how long I've known Brendan. And he, um, he and I spoke to each other after I left the Panthers last year. We both had kind of said, you know, that was it. We were done. Then we found out I was going back to the the Eagles, I said, listen, is there any chance I can get you to come down and do a session or two on special teams? Because he's a, he's a special teams genius. And he said, I think I can do you one better than that. So he comes down now as regularly as he can. And again, like that, I don't put any pressure on him. Nobody does. So he comes down when he can. And he has absolutely tweaked and fine-tuned our special teams to where that I'm really, really... And the, the lads say it themselves. They've never had coaching like that on special teams. And then finally, uh, Liam McLaughlin, who we lovingly refer to as, as Coach Daddy, because he's got two sons playing on the team. Um, he's coming, he's helped me with the, the running backs and receivers and the offense in general. So I've got a fantastic crew of coaches. We all have each other's backs. Then we have one player coach, Terry Carey, uh, who is also defensive captain. And Terry has taken everything that Matt has thrown at him 
and absorbed it all. And he's calling all the signals on the field, the defensive signals on the field. And the defense can adjust quite well to anything that they see. And Terry will call the shots and they take it from there. So I'm really, really happy with the, the way things have gone. And in terms of, we talked obviously about, you know, your the more, I suppose the, the offensive side is, is your, is a particular strength. Um, but I, I'm interested in terms of your involvement on the, the defensive side. Do you work with, with them as well in terms, because it's interesting, like you'll hear some coaches do and, and de- like it, depending on whether they're offense or defense, that you'll hear some of the defensive guys talk to their QBs about like the, the defensive schemes and what to look for and what to see. Um, but equally, you'll, some sometimes coaches don't always get involved. What What's your approach to that, Kevin? Okay, my approach is I don't touch the defensive schemes or systems, and I don't tell Matt who to start at on defense any given any given game. My involvement would be more. Um, I'm I'm watching more film than I ever did before, and that's one of the advances in the league. I think that's been been great. And fair play to the coaches. There, you know, we're we're all exchanging videos of games, and and we're able to study. So my input will be okay. Defense. This is need. This is what you need to look out for. This is what they're going to do well. This is what they don't do so well. If you can take advantage of that, and that's it. I I kind of give them what to look for, and they take it from there. And I'm quite happy to have my input limited to that extent. And if there are you know people out there who are interested in getting involved with the the Eagles, are are you still looking for for players and and for others? If there are people listening who you know maybe they're playing days are behind them or they're not interested in playing. Are, are there ways for them to get involved? Absolutely. Um, get in touch with any of our social media pages, Facebook, WhatsApp, uh, Instagram. Um, I don't know if we have a Twitter account or not. I don't have Twitter. <laughs> I'm too old. I'm technologically inept. But anyway, uh, yeah, we will, we'll, we'll never turn a player away. You know, anybody who wants to come and, uh, and get involved is, is going to be welcome. Nobody's going to be turned away. And like that, if we've got somebody who feels that they can input, you know, into the team as regards any elements, offense, defense, special teams, help with the chain gang, stats, whatever, you know, game day prep, anything anybody wants to get involved in, we'd, we'd love to see them. Uh, it's it sounds like you you know you're you're very much enjoying uh, the the time with the the Eagles and uh, you know is. Um, is this something that you just want to like are you take year by year or is this something you know you just continue you, you just can, can see this kind of rolling on until at some point that you, you decide okay I'd, i've done my piece i've given everything i can to the the game and the league and it's time for me to, to step aside i can see the eagles rolling on um my body's given up on me at a rapid rate <laughs> but more trouble getting up and down the sidelines than ever before what I would like to do is um, ensure the lifeblood of the Eagles. And I think the best way for us to do that is going to be to put a youth team together. I, I think, you know, we need to kind of have an Eagles farm system. Now we're fortunate in that we have the largest secondary school in Ireland is in Gory. There's Gory Community School with 1,900 students. So I would imagine we could get a fair pool of 16 to 18 year olds out of there. And there's other schools in, in Gory as well that we could do that with. Um, as for myself, yeah, I'm enjoying it very, very much. Never say never. I have no plans, you know. Um, they might decide next year they'd rather give somebody else a shot at it. I I don't know. 
Um, if they do, they do. But I have to say that of all the iterations of the Eagles, I've enjoyed working with this one probably the most. Um, every single player is given it everything they've got this year. I mean, used to be, and this would be, I'm sure, a common theme, midweek practices, particularly, you know, late at night, um, it used to be hard to get guys up to train. Um, we're getting 25, 26 guys on a Thursday night, nine o'clock training session. Um, that would have been unheard of for a Division Two team. And I mean, I coached the Panthers last year. They'd have never had 25 guys up on a, on a weeknight for training. So these players have bought into what the coaches have put together. Then they're working so hard. It's just a pleasure to work with them. There's no negative influences. There's no, for one of a better word, divas or prima donnas. These are good lads, and it's a pleasure working with them. It's interesting around that new football team because I know I spoke to Owen Connolly, um, who was with the the Panthers, the tincture that the youth team there, and obviously now yeah. does yeah. AFI redesigned. And I know he was kind of the. It was a discussion point certainly on social media last week, and they're they're very keen um, to see as many teams as possible get that youth team in place because I think like you, everyone sees that as kind of the, maybe at the next step in, in ensuring the, the continued development of the, the league. And I'm also just, you know, as somebody who, who is here, who's been involved, who's seen the great, the game, the local game grow, right? The NFL is obviously, you know, very interested in the global growth of the game. And we're recording this, the London games, um, and, and, Potentially the the Germany the German games are going to be announced tomorrow, and I, I'm interested in you know do you, do you because there are I've spoken to fans on this side of the Atlantic who aren't keen on the NFL playing regular season games uh, over here um, and feel that it, it takes away from it. Other people delighted and you know would like to see more of it. The NFL themselves seem keen, and I would not be at all surprised to see games in Paris and Madrid and Rio mm. in the next kind of decade. Is is that something you know from your perspective? Is, is it is it a good thing? Is it something you enjoy? Um, what's your take on it? For a start, I I think it's it's fantastic. It it does it does spread the spread the wings of the game to a great extent to bring in that European audience, and I'm I don't think they've ever had trouble selling out. A single stadium when they've brought a game over. You look at what does Wembley hold? 83, 85,000 people. And the Jaguars come over and they get 85,000 fans for their quote unquote home games. Whereas back in Jacksonville, they'll struggle to get 35,000. Also, what you got to remember is Jacksonville is closer to London than Jacksonville is to Los Angeles. So it's not that outrageous to see a team like Jacksonville or another East Coast team locating in London. It's not that not that long a flight compared to some of the flights they have to take in the States. And if you can if those teams can guarantee themselves eighty five thousand seat sellout eight games the year plus playoffs, then you get the merchandising on top of that. Financially, economically, I think it makes sense. The NFL is going to capitalize on the marketing commercially. Um I I don't think it takes away from the game at all. I think it makes it better. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I certainly enjoy it. I think 
it is great to see. I don't know whether we will ever have um, Roger Goodell's idea of a, of a division over here. I'm not sure whether that will fly, but um, I guess that is that is something uh, for, for the future. Um, Kevin, I want to thank you for taking the time to chat to me. I wish you and the the Eagles continued success. I, I really love your philosophy and your approach. And I think the reason why, you know, you're, you're getting the reaction that you are is because the, the level of enjoyment and the fact that you want players to develop and you want them to go out, you want them to show what they can do, that radiates uh, from you. So um, all the best uh, to, to you and to the Eagles for the rest of the season. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Irish NFL show. We truly appreciate all of our listeners. If you're enjoying the show, please consider rating, reviewing, and subscribing on whichever platform you use to listen. It really makes a difference in terms of helping others to find the show. Also, if you want, reach out to us on social media. You can find us on Twitter, on Instagram, on TikTok, or email info at irishnflshow.com. Let us know your thoughts. If you have ideas for guests or a topic you would like us to cover.